You know, it's amazing to me how that at times I feel like that the message that I have and what I feel like is in my heart is hard to say in a way that everybody from all of the different aspects of where everyone else is, if I'm able to communicate uh, what God really wants, and he, he has to help us and encourage us to do that, he has to to, to be involved, and, 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 and what I'm asking this morning is for you to just open up your heart to hear what I believe God wants to say to us as a church, and uh, I'm going to do my best to stick with my notes and not just start talking. I'm going to be reading uh, a few verses from uh, more than one translation because I want you to just uh, hear the impact of the scriptures. You know, um, without a doubt, without any question, we're entering a future where everything is changing at accelerated speed. And it's just amazing to me when you stop and you begin to look at all of the things that's going on, and I personally believe with all the complexities that we face, the demand for us to embrace the kingdom of God is greater now than ever. Now listen to me say this, and I, I hope you can hear what I'm saying. The kingdom of God is unshakable. Your relationship, your religion, your beliefs, your doctrines, your philosophies, all of those things can get shook. But Jesus clearly said, seek first what? If you seek first the kingdom and embrace the kingdom of God, then he says all these other things will be added. If we're trying to add all the other things and seek after all the other things, and leave the kingdom, we're going to get shook. And today, I've, I've titled this Light and Life. And I, I hope I can get there if, um, if we just understood the kingdom of God. Everybody say the kingdom of God. The kingdom mystery, the kingdom mystery, or I guess I could say the mystery of the kingdom of God has been opened up to us. And if I could say that in a nutshell, here's what I would say about, where is the kingdom? It's in us. What that means is Christ lives in us. We try to teach the children in nursery to accept Christ and his finished work, because if Christ comes into your heart, you've got all you need. The kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. What is it? We should be seeking Christ's life in us. Now, the kingdom of God 
is essentially unaffected by time, by social change, by religious winds, or present crisis. You know, we, we have present crisis. There are religious winds. There's change in our society. Time moves on and all those things. But the kingdom of God is essentially unaffected because it's unshakable. It will never change. It's the same. The kingdom of God is eternal. And its mystery, the mystery of Christ in us, that mystery has been designed by God to reveal itself progressively as we seek it. Let me say that again. The mysteries of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, Christ living inside of you, has been designed by God to be revealed to us progressively. It's an ongoing thing where we understand. I am a, 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 every day trying to understand more of what it means that Christ is in me. A lot of people get saved, accept Christ, are satisfied with just what result that will bring, which is heaven. There's no question that that's, that's the result of that. And they're satisfied with that in under, without understanding what Christ in us is really all about. What's happening in the world today is not a mystery to him. God's not shook up about the world situation. God's not upset about what's going on around the world. Why? It's not a mystery to him. He knows it all. We get upset because it's a mystery to us and we can't figure out what on earth is God doing, what's happening, what's taking place. Now, if we understood that our Heavenly Father, God the Father, is our own Father, we have become a child of God, we have accepted Christ, we were born of God, and Christ has come into us, and He is now our Father, and I, I really, really believe that He owns the future. He owns the future. He is prepared. God is prepared to walk with us into an uncertain future with understanding, with protection, and most importantly, and hear me say this today, with the fulfillment of our callings. Life is about us deciding we're going to do what God made us to do, what He equipped us to do, and what He feel, wants to fulfill in us to accomplish in His life. And so many of us don't really fully comprehend or understand what that's really about. We just, we just live our lives for ourselves, and I'm, I'm not trying to be critical with that, but He wants us to walk in the fulfillment of our callings. One of the things that we are called to do is to bear kingdom fruit. 
How important do you think it is to God that we impact another generation? How important do you think it is to God that he can call us, equip us, train us, teach us, and disciple us to impact children who will impact another generation. It's incredible to me. It's important to me. Now, I'll say this. As current events unfold, I think every one of us need to revisit our own personal job descriptions. What do you mean? Do I serve God and follow God just for what I get out of it, or does God call me? Paul said, I must lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid a hold of me. What's my job description? What's my personal calling? Maybe an encourager. It may just be someone who's a worshiper. It may be somebody who's an intercessor. It may be somebody who is just full of the love of Christ and shares the love of Christ with everybody. There's so many things that if we would just stop sometimes and begin to evaluate ourselves and examine ourselves and looked with re, look with renewed earnest at ourselves where we can become who he has called us and equipped us to become. Now, what's most important? What's the first thing that we seek? Look at somebody and say, seek first the kingdom. Let me read to you, and I'm going to read this from three different translations because I think the different translations will help you understand better what I believe he's saying here. In Colossians 3, verse 20, or Colossians 1, beginning at verse 26, it says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Now, what's this mystery? what I'm talking about with this mystery which is Christ in you the hope of glory. Him, Christ in you is who we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor striving according to his working which works in me mightily. I want to read this to you from the Passion, and we're going to put this up so you can see it. But from the Passion, it says, We pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing you do. Then you'll become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to his life and maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. Read the wrong verse. That was good too, wasn't it? 
think that's later on in the sermon. Colossians 1.27, living within you is the Christ who floods you with expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ, listen to this, it's a mystery of Christ, embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it. Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It has become an inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity with his power flowing through me to present. Now here's, here's his goal, to present every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to read this to you again, and this time from the Message Bible, because I want you to just get this. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. Y'all understand, this is the mystery in a nutshell. Christ is in you. Matter of fact, look at somebody right now and just say that to them. Say, Christ is in you. Will you do that? Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. We preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To, the, to, to be mature is to be basic. Christ. No more, no less. That's what I'm working so hard at day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me. I know that these verses is my calling. I want you to understand that Christ and mature in the understanding that Christ lives in you. He's alive inside of you. Now, Today, I want you to consider some things. Sorry, I got to take this coat off. I am burning it. I'm on fire. <laughs> because Jesus completed the work of restoration and he has completed the work of reconciliation, we've been reconciled back to God because of that, the kingdom of God was released on earth and began to spread. In Galatians chapter 4, 
Galatians 4, what translation did I put that up in? Passion? Watch this. Galatians chapter 4. Beginning at verse 4, listen to this. But when the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son. We know the whole story. Born in the manger. Grew up, crucified on the cross, killed, buried, resurrected. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, Yet all of this was so that he would redeem and set free those held hostage to the law so that we would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as sons. Do do you hear what he's saying here? Jesus came not just to die for our sins, but to give us the right to become children of God. It's in his working. It's what he designed to do. And so that we would know that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out immediately, my father, my true father. Now, everybody say now. We're no longer living like slaves under the law. Listen to me. A lot of ministry, pastors, and churches want to keep people as slaves, and they keep them under the law. You've got to obey the rules and do what. He no longer wants us to live. He wants us to live by the faith of the Son of God who lives inside of us and walks with us. If Jesus is in your heart, your heart knows what to do. Don't need somebody paring rules on you. You won't do what's wrong if you've got Jesus alive inside of you. Now, we're no longer living like slaves under the law. Watch this. But we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, oh, I don't know if y'all ready to hear this. This may make some waves. Because we're his, We can access everything our Father has, for we are heirs because of what God has done. Now look at me, this to me. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to access everything the Father has. That verse of Scripture right there declares unto you Now, this minute, at this very moment, we can access everything the Father has. Well, why aren't we doing it? Because we're not believing and walking in faith, hope, and love. Through the years, people, especially religious people, has changed the promise of the Father to humanity. Listen carefully to me. Make sure you get this. People, especially religious people, have changed 
the meaning of Father's promise to humanity. Now listen to me. This is critical. Christianity Christianity has become the celebration of what Jesus did instead of a reception of why he did it. See, we celebrate what Jesus did, the death, burial, the resurrection. We celebrate what he did. But we're not receiving why he did it. I want that to soak in. We've worshipped Calvary rather than benefiting from it. When he died, who died with him? Huh? When he was buried, who was buried with him? See, he didn't die just for us. He died as us. When he died, we died in Christ. When he was buried, we were buried with him. When he rose, we arose with him. When he ascended, we ascended with him. Everybody here should, have, uh, should know that and understand that. Scripture teaches that clearly. We worship Calvary rather than the benefits of Calvary. Please listen to me. Jesus' suffering, Jesus' death, his resurrection were a means to an end. What have we done? We've made the process the purpose. See, Jesus died, resurrected, resurrected, conquered death, hell, and the grave, and said to his disciples, I've got to go away because when I go away, the Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit will come and he will take up residence on the inside of you and God's purpose in Jesus coming and dying and paying the price for sin was so that you and I could be in a condition that we could receive his righteousness and God, Christ, could come and live in us. The mystery of the kingdom is that when he died, the purpose of him dying was not just to forgive you of your sins. He forgave you of your sins so that you would now be in a position to receive the life of God. Why? That's the kingdom. That's the mystery of the kingdom. Well, let me just read it to you again here. I, I, I want to read this Galatians 4 to you again. I want you to hear this. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the full, the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law. Yet all of this was so that he would redeem, redeem, and, everybody say and, set free those held hostage to the law 
so that we would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as children and so that we would know that we are His true children. God released the Spirit of Sonship, the Holy Spirit, into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, My Father, my true Father. Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's own very sons, God's own very own sons and daughters. And because of this, we can access everything our Father has, for we are heirs because of what God has done. So this is telling me that in order for us to access everything that God has done, we need the spirit of sonship, the spirit of His Son, the Holy Spirit, in our lives as as a part of us. We need to understand that He came and paid the penalty, the price of sin, so that His Spirit could come and take up residence on the inside of us so that we could be free to be children of God. Born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. Let me just quickly read you a few verses. In John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What are you saying? How are you born again? Your spirit becomes born by his spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. Look at verse 5. Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John 1, chapter 1, verse 12 says, But as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Over in 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 it says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone, everyone, who loves is born of God and knows God. For the next couple of minutes, I want to try to focus 
our attention on what I believe is a critical spiritual posture. If I'm going to face the future and I'm going to focus on who God called me to be and what he placed me here on the earth for and why he placed me here and he has a calling and a fulfilling that he wants to do in my life, what's my personal responsibility to abide in him in order to face the future? Number one, I think we need to consider faith. Faith. What do you mean, Pastor, when you say faith? Let me ask you. Do you really believe and have faith that God is our Father? You mean to tell me that you believe God is our Father? Yes, He is. Believe that with all my heart. Every one of us who have accepted Christ, He made us His children. I've read you scripture after scripture about that. Here's something else you need to have faith for. Regardless of the happenings that's going on, he is good. God is good. One of the, one of the biggest downsides to legalism and the law is how many people teach other believers that God's mad at them. Do you know how many people believe God's mad at them? Look at me. He ain't mad at you. God is good. Say that with me, would you? God is good. And he intends to do us good. Let me read you. You know, I quote a verse all the time, all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called. The reason our calling is important is if you're not seeking your calling of what he wants you to do, and you don't love God, you don't understand that things may not work out for good, but all things work together for good to those who are, love God, who are called according to His purpose. Now listen to me. If you, if, if you lose this foundation that God is good, everything around you is going to crumble. Say one more time with me. God is good. In... Luke 11, verse, beginning at verse 11, I'm reading this from the Passion. It says, let me ask you this. Do you know any father who would give his son a snake on a plate when he asked for a serving of fish? Of course not. Do you, not know, do you know of any father who would give his daughter a spider when she asked for an egg? Of course not. 
if imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much How much more will the perfect heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when His children ask Him? Do you know what this tells me? God is good. All the time He's good. Well, there's some things happening in my life that just ain't so good. That don't make God bad. Besides having faith, we need to have a little hope. Listen to me. I, my hope is not in me. My hope is in the Lord. Our hope has to be centered on Christ. There's a lot of mornings I get up and I'm examining my life and I'm talking to the Lord and I say to the Lord, I sure hope you can do something with Stuart Farley. Stuart Farley can't do much with Stuart Farley. But my hope is not in Stuart Farley because Stuart Farley has tried all kinds of things. But I keep having hope in him. And it's amazing to me what I see him do in my life. It's amazing what I see him accomplish People come up all the time and say, boy, I tell you, you really did this great. You really, And I had nothing to do with it. What do you mean? Our hope is in the Lord. You know, I don't have time to go into it, but Christ ask, asks us not to allow anything or anything to offend us or cause us to stumble. You can't get your eyes on people around you. You can't look at other people's failures. You can't see people in the natural. You can't look at what's going on in our world and, 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 and not let it affect you. You've got to keep your eyes on Christ. Now, I'm, I'm going to make this statement. I want you to, as, as the mystery of Christ in us, as this mystery deepens, the cost of discipleship increases. How many of you have been challenged in the last year in your faith with much of my teaching? Hmm? You been challenged? You should be. Why? If you're not challenged, you're not growing. And as the mystery deepens, we should be welcoming it. We should be welcoming it. What we must be steadfast in is our hope has to be fixed in the words of life. I'm just trying for us to abide in faith, abide in hope, and the third thing I want us to abide in is love. We abide now abides faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, but we abide in faith, we walk in faith, we abide in hope, our hope is in the Lord, and the third thing is love. Agape, which is the God kind of love, is our unshakable foundation, and it is the unshakable foundation of all of creation. 
God so loved the world that he gave. How many of us are willing to allow agape, the love of God, to control our intents, to control our desires, and to control our actions? Now, in the Gospel of John, the book of John, chapter 1, verse 4, it says this. In him was what? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. I've titled this today, Light and Life. Now, most Christians today most people on the planet today, I don't think we really understand the difference between Christianity and philosophy, between Christianity and doctrine. The scripture reveals a major difference in Christianity and philosophy. Do y'all realize there are many philosophies we have out here? We're always fussing over people's philosophy. Life begins here. Life begins there. This is that. You can do this. You can choose this. You can be that. We've got all of these philosophies. Hear me say it. When you take the modern philosophies like Christian science, New Age, New Thought, Unitarianism, divine science, and you could go on and on and on. But when you study them, you see that all of that stuff, most of those philosophies came out of Egypt, China, mystical things, mysterious things. All of them go back even to things before Jesus. And Jesus himself quoted things that some philosophies had because he, there was a difference in what Jesus said and, and whatever everything else that had been said. But when you study them, you see that they are old philosophies from Egypt and China, and I'm sure there's more, but they were constructed before the Redeemer came and redeemed us. Now, am I making you think yet? If I'm not making you think, you ain't listening. Stay with me. I don't want to lose you here. This is the critical thing of what I'm saying. All of the philosophies, all of the religions that the world has are an effort for man to redeem himself with self-effort. That's what they're all about. They want you to redeem yourself with self-effort. Every one of the philosophies are tied to what you have to do in order to receive eternal life. All of them are tied to that. Hear me. The difference between philosophy 
and I'm going to say it this way, the religion of Jesus Christ, the difference between philosophy and the religion of Jesus Christ is in this scripture right here that I just read to you. In him was life. And the life that was in him is the light of the world. Now follow me just a moment. How many of you enjoy learning new things? All of us love receiving light. Light is seen, it's not heard. Light is demonstrated, it's not articulated. A lot of people enjoy getting illuminations, seeing things, going, aha, getting, getting all kinds of things. But there's a difference between light and life. Look at me, listen. Philosophy is light. It's the best light that the individual possessed who framed the philosophy. There are a lot of philosophies that are good philosophies. They will help you. There are all kinds of self-help programs that will help you. They are light. They are things that will... Look, listen, if you eat right... You'll live longer unless you're killed in a car wreck or some other way. All kinds of, how many know how many books there are out there on how you live for life? Now watch. Light is great, but light is not a life giver. In Christ was life. Now, I'm having a hard time staying with my notes and not just talking to you. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, You receive at that moment the kingdom of God, the life of God, the love of God, the light of God, eternal life. When your spirit becomes born of the spirit of God, quit jumping to the result of what that did and start understanding that it's not just about... See, we, we deal with results. Well, Jesus came and died so that I could go to heaven. We make it all about what he did just for us. He came that you may have life here on planet earth this very moment and have it more abundantly. The life of God came to live and dwell Inside of us, in him was the life. Philosophy can't give you new life. Doctrine can't give you new life. Theories can't give you new life. Jesus came to give you a brand new life. His life as a child of God 
right here on planet earth. We are God's children. Oh, I realize that I'm making some waves in some people's minds. Pastor Farley, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say more than you really think I'm trying to say. About to show you here. Everybody okay? What do you mean? When the life of Christ comes into us and his life begins to live inside of us, we're quickened by its power and by the grace of God we now have the life of Jesus in us. What are you saying? We have eternal life and we have eternal light. Now hear me say this. Many philosophies have light. They just don't have life. The words of Jesus have a content that is not in philosophy. The content is the life of God. In him was life, and the life, the life, the life was the light of men. Now, I hope you understand, we, we've, we've got to be redeemed and saved from sin's power. And if there's any question about... What I'm saying to you, this next verse, verses that I read to you are going to uh, totally quench that. In Second Peter, chapter. One, verse four. Second Peter one, verse four. Now watch. By which have been given to us. Now, have been is past tense, am I right? By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these great and precious promises you may be partakers of what? And the sad thing is we don't believe it. We don't believe for one moment and there are people who call me a heretic because I'm saying to you that this scripture says because of what Jesus did and the kingdom comes to live inside of you, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit comes inside, to live inside of you. He doesn't come to live you to take you to heaven. He comes and lives inside of you so that you and I can partake of the divine nature of God. My daddy preaching that we were little gods got ridiculed, 
had charges in his denomination brought up against him, said, you're teaching that we're gods. When they called him in, all he said was, I'm going to read you boys some scripture. And I'm going to get up and walk out of here. And if you want to do something about it, you just do it. This is one of the scriptures he read. Partakers of the divine nature. That's just too good to be true. Huh? What do you think? That's too good to be true. That's fully, are you telling me that little old me, just a sinner saved by grace, can partake of the divine nature of God? That's what God said. That's my battle. That's my dilemma. I am praying and laboring like the Apostle Paul was for the body of Christ to mature to the place where they grow up as spiritual adults and spiritual children of God where they quit living flaky, flaky lives about where they're going to go when they die and they begin living the life of Christ and the life of God right here. You know, we have conversations. Wonder if Jesus was here in this situation, wonder what he would do. If you knew, would you do it? Because you should. Is this too much for you? Well, I just thought since the kids were going to make some waves this week, I'd just preach making some waves to start with. What if what I'm preaching is true? What if this is true? Now, I want you to understand, I fully believe it is. Well, Pastor Farley, I've been taught my whole life, and it's just how I am. It don't happen until we get to heaven when everything is over, when everything is done. We'll then, then, then we'll be, we're going to go up there, and then we'll be like him, but we can't be like him now. Why? Where does he live now? Who is the body of Christ on planet earth this very moment? Who is the body of Christ? We are. I can just hear it now around town. Oh, Farley, you know, I, he started teaching that tithing stuff because he wanted everybody's money. Now he's teaching everybody they're going to be like God. Well, good. We need to give people something to talk about. They may come to here. Make some waves. Wonder what would happen if we had a child who grew up to really believe that he could partake of the divine nature of God and everything that Jesus said. Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do also because I'm going to the Father and the same spirit that is in me will live and abide in you and you can do the same works Jesus did. 
We've known that, many of us, our whole life up here. When are we ever going to get it here? Look at somebody right now and say, Hello, child of God. How many of you believe you're a child of God? Hmm. If you believe that, you've been giving, given exceeding great and precious promises that through these great and precious promises, you now have the ability to partake of the divine nature of God. It's not your human flesh. It's his spirit inside of you, living through you, working through you. Now, Pastor Farley, this is just a little bit too much. I'd rather us go back to just playing church. Beloved, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the real Christian and the real Christian church has the undertaking and calling to bring the life of Christ into a world that's lost and dying without him. Our calling, our calling is to live our lives in such a way that we love people the same way Jesus would love them. That we touch them, that we heal them, that we impart life to them. Seek first the kingdom of God and whose righteousness? Whose righteousness? What am I seeking? I'm not seeking my righteousness. Philosophy always has self-help ways of what you can do to be like Christ. Who, what you can do to improve your life. What you can do to do certain things. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things. Let me illustrate it again. I did it last week. Dave, come here. Jim, come here. You're always the sinner. <laughs> the sinner comes to the high priest to pay the price by the shedding of blood for his sins. I'm the lamb. Let's make Jim the lamb. I'll be the high priest. Jim's the lamb. What are you here for? Pay for your sins. No spots. No blemishes. No wrinkles. <laughs> They're dimples. Dimples. 
This lamb is without blemish. I will accept the sacrifice. Here's what I want you to notice. Who did I examine? It's irrelevant to me what the man who brought it looks like or is. Jesus is the Lamb of God who offered his blood for the sins of the world. You can have all the knowledge you want, all the illumination you want, everything that you want. God's not looking at you. It's his righteousness that you and I have. This man has the righteousness of the lamb. Thank you. We got to get this. See, because religion keeps telling you, you can't do that and be a Christian. No, you can't do that and be like Jesus, but you can still be a believer. See, we're not getting it. The reason we don't try to sin is because we're trying to be like Jesus. We're trying to let Jesus' life shine through us. It has nothing to do with whether we go to heaven. We go to heaven because of the Lamb. Well, i got to add something to it. As far as you saying I can live like I want? If he's alive in you, you want to live for him. But we make it about the rules. Oh, you got to go to church. You got to pay your tithes. You got to live right. You got to love your neighbor. You got to do this. Be good to those. And we start giving the orders. Instead of getting up every day and say, I want Christ's life, the Christ who lives in me. I want him to walk with me, talk with me, work with me, live in me shine his light through me every day of my life. I'm not trying to get you to see me. I want you to see Christ in me.